Father, I just thank you um, for the privilege, Lord, of just being able to sit under your word, Father, and just uh, receive from a man of God, a man who hears your heart and hears your voice. And Father, we open our hearts today just to hear what you have to say and we receive it as your word. And we pray for your blessing and your anointing upon Dan now as he speaks to us. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to move this to here. Great. Morning, everyone. What an incredible time this morning. What I love hearing stories of what God's doing in people's lives. It's great. And uh, I'm so thankful to God for what he's doing and uh, for the miracles we've seen and provision in people's lives. He's such a good God, isn't he? Um, I want to talk this morning on uh, a subject that has been staring at me for a while. Um, and uh, particularly in recent weeks, God has been staring this within me. If you were at the prayer meeting a few weeks ago, you'll know that. Um, and the thing I want to uh, talk about this morning is being still. And if you want a title for this morning, it's Be Still. Um, but I want to bring it in the context of what's come over the past few weeks. I believe God is threading a, th- threading a thread through what he's doing in us. And um, so I want to bring what I have in the context of that. Um, so I just want to quickly remind us briefly uh, about what he said in the last few weeks. Three weeks ago, Ruth spoke uh, on progress, not perfection. And the idea that um, we were to make progress, our aim was always to make progress. We can't achieve perfection until Jesus comes again, but we can make progress and we can do things personally to make progress. Then Peter spoke on the fact there's always more. That even when we feel shriveled like a tomato plant, there's always more. He spoke from one of my favorite uh, chapters of the Bible, one of my favorite stories, Ezekiel, about the, Ezekiel 37, about the valley of dry bones. It's 37, isn't it? I get 37 and 47 confused. Um, (laughs) But I love that passage. And he spoke about the fact there's always more. And then Sarah last week spoke about our calling. And the fact that God has called us, both as individuals and as a people, he's called us and we are to do things for him. We are to go places for him. But I was sat at the back last week and knowing that I had this word staring at me about being still, I can hear the words coming, progress, more, doing, calling, and I'm thinking, be still. (laughs) And then Sarah says, what does Holy Spirit say? (laughs) And as I'm sat at the back... I hear Sarah say those words, what does Holy Spirit say? And God just says to me, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 10, this is the English Standard Version, be still and know that I am God. And it may seem random in in this train of moving and this train of progress that we talk about being still, but being still is not to be inactive. Being still is not about stopping and doing nothing. Being still and knowing he is God is movement in itself. Being still and knowing he is God is foundational to our spiritual progress. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was up in Scotland and I was working at one of the Soul Survivor events. For those of you not familiar with those events, they are big events that have affected the youth of this nation and nations beyond for 27 years. Um, This year happens to be the last one. But um, they've affected people for years and years. And I've had the privilege of attending those events and I've had the privilege of working at those events and seeing God move 
in people. Last night alone in Peterborough, 260 kids gave their lives to Jesus, which is just incredible. Um, And I had the privilege uh, this year of going up to Scotland and working on their Scotland event. And one of the reasons I love that event is because it's in the middle of nowhere. Like literally the middle of nowhere. It's like 50 miles north of Edinburgh, 60 miles west of Glasgow, east of Glasgow, sorry. Um, Literally in the middle of nowhere. I know that because I tried to work out how much it would cost to get a cab there from one of the cities. And it was about 80 quid from Edinburgh or Glasgow to get there in a cab. Um, And uh, one of the things I love about it, because it's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the Scottish countryside, is I can go for a run. And I've spoken about this before. I like to go for runs. And... Conveniently, completely by random, if you run out the top of the site, round the whole site and back in, it's 5k on the nose. Um, Which anybody that runs knows that 5k is the dream distance for someone like me. Um, (laughs) uh, And I like to go running out in the Scottish countryside. Now when I run at the moment, I've got into the habit of wearing headphones and I like to put music on. Uh, not Not music I'd normally listen to but music that's got a beat, music that's got rhythm. I find it helps me focus, it helps me run, helps me pace. And I focus when I'm out there running on my pace, I focus on the music, I focus on my time, on my watch. Um, And I kind of glance at what's going on around, but really it's about my run and running and seeing what time I can get and that sort of thing. But on the last day of uh, the event, I went out for a run and I have, my role there is that I'm not involved in the main meetings. I do lots of other stuff on site. But during the main meetings, it's basically my time off. So while everyone's in the big top, in the big tent, uh, I went out for a run. And I had an overwhelming sense in me to not take my headphones. I don't know what it was. Well, I now know it was God. But at that point, I just decided I don't want to wear my headphones. I, re- I don't want to listen to that music, etc. And I left them on the side. And I went for a run. And as I was running without the headphones on, I suddenly realized that I could hear things <laughs> that I hadn't heard before. And I suddenly realized I could hear the big top. And I could hear the sound of 1,400 young people praising God, echoing across the valleys in Scotland, echoing off the mountains. And for the first time, I think I ever understood the, the phrase, praises resound, because I could hear them literally resounding around. I could hear Psalm 118 verse 15 says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. When 1,400 people shout, it makes a noise. 102 decibels for those of you who are asking. <laughs> I know because we have to measure the sound levels and that's what it peaked at. Uh, but um, I'm running and I can hear them and then all of a sudden they stop. And I know the reason they've stopped is because at that point the preachers come up to do the teaching. And so as I keep running, I'm running and it's all quiet. And then I hear God say to me, stop. And I don't like stopping when I'm running because that's that's failure. But I stop and I stand inside of this country lane in Scotland. And he says, be still and listen. And I stand there and as I'm listening, I can hear over here, I can hear a sheep in the field. And I've seen those sheep as I've run and, and I can hear them. But then I hear sheep from over there. I didn't know they were there. And then I hear the birds, and I can hear this bird calling to that bird. And I can hear a different bird behind me. And then I suddenly hear, there's a gust of wind, and I suddenly hear the gust of wind go through the trees and move the trees. And then I hear water. I have no idea where there's water. And as I look to my left, literally 
three metres from where I've been running for the past week, there's a stream that runs right down the edge of the road that I had no idea was there. The waters were there, the stream, there was life next to me that I didn't even know existed. Ten minutes of being still in that place and God revealed his creation to me. God revealed how he shaped the landscape. God revealed how there was life in unnoticed places. In those ten minutes, God revealed a part of his character to me. Ten minutes of being still changed me. And we can spend so much of our lives running. We can spend so much of our lives trying to do things, trying to figure things out, trying to work things out, trying to understand things. When actually God is saying, be still and know that I am God. See, it's foundational, as I've already said. It's transformative. It's restorative. I may to say that without saying tutive. It reveals who God is, and it reveals in that who we are. We're going to read the whole of Psalm 46, so if you want to turn there. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I love that song. I could stop there, can I? I'm not going to, but I could. Um, yeah. So much in there. You know, as I was reading this psalm, after God led it to me from the be still, but as I was reading it, the thing that really struck me is that this psalm is written in turbulent times. This psalm, it says, the nations rage. It says the kingdoms totter. In other translations, it says they fall. It's written in times of turmoil. It's written in turbulent times. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced turbulence on an airplane. Turbulence, this is what uh, Google said, turbulence is an irregular motion of the air resulting from eddies and vertical currents. It may be as insignificant as a few annoying bumps or severe enough to momentarily throw an airplane out of control or even to cause structural damage. Turbulence can be catastrophic. It can cause airplanes out of control and structural damage. You know, We live in turbulent times right now. All you need to do is turn the news on. All you need to do is load up your BBC app on your phone to know that we live in turbulent times. Brexit. Can you get more turbulent than that? 
situations in the government. There's tensions in the Middle East. There's tensions with America. There's shooting. We read about and hear about the shootings in America. There is turb- we're in turbulent times at the moment. And as a church community, we ourselves have been through some turbulence. We've been through some tough times. We've been through things which have felt like we're out of control sometimes, maybe. And we wondered what God was going to do. And as individuals, many of us have, have been or are going through turbulent times. And this psalm, based right in the middle of those turbulent times, tells us who God is and what he is doing. First one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 9, he makes wars cease. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. It tells us who he is and it tells us what he is doing. Now I recently was on a flight and um, we, I was sat watching a film and um, suddenly there's the bing bong and the captain comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, please return to your seats. We are about to enter a period of turbulence. Please take your seats, fasten your seatbelt, and be still. And you can carry on with what you're doing, but, but don't move, basically. And we enter this period of turbulence, and as we're entering, I sit down, I listen to what he's saying, I sit down, I do my seatbelt up, and then I put my headphones back in, and I continue watching Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a great film. <laughs> um, and uh, I continue watching it comfortably. I'm trying to juggle my cup of coffee because why does it always happen when the coffee comes out? But I sit there comfortably in this period of turbulence because I know the pilot has said, I've seen it, we're going through it, but you'll be fine if you stay still. I sit in full confidence. And all this stuff is going on. All these wars are going on in this psalm. God is doing incredible things. And his word to his people is don't fight. Don't argue. But be still. You know, when you're still, then you can know him. Then you can see him. Then you can hear him. When you get your headphones out, then you can hear him. And it's there that you learn the sound of his voice. And you learn to trust in him as the Lord Most High. John ten twenty five to 30. I'm in the message for this. Jesus answered, I told you, but you didn't believe. He's talking to the Pharisees. Everything I've done has been authorized by my Father. Actions that speak louder than words. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. No one can steal them from out of my hand. The father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and the thief. No one could ever get them away from him. I and the father are one heart and mind. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. We are the sheep in that passage he's referring to us. And we are called to know the voice of God. To know the voice of our Father. To know the voice of the Holy Spirit. As Sarah was encouraging us last week. 
And you know, as human beings, we tune into the things we know. We tune into things that we know. And babies very quickly learn the voices of their mum and dad. And as parents, we know the sound of our children. I don't know if you've, if, as a parent, you've probably been in a room and you suddenly hear a child crying and you either respond with one or two things, it's okay, it's not mine. <laughs> or, that's mine. Oh dear. But you know, don't you? Because you know the sound of your child. You know the sound, what it sounds like when your child cries. Dogs know their master's voice. And we, there's a field near us and after... I've dropped Phoebe off at school. I've walked through it sometimes. And there's always people walking their dogs in that field. And, and as one of them shouts, not all the dogs don't run to this person. The one dog that belongs to the fat person runs to that person, normally. <laughs> you know, we, we learn and we tune into the voice. What do you hear? What are you hearing? What are we hearing on a daily basis? Are we hearing the creative and transforming voice of God? The voice that says, I love you. The voice that says, do not fear. The voice that says, I'm going to provide for you. The voice that says, don't worry. Or are you just hearing noise? Are you just hearing noise? Now, I want to just define what I mean by noise quickly. See, noise is easy to hear. It's all around us. Even at the moment, there's a noise up here. It's the extractor fans, I can hear it. <laughs> there's noise all the time, and if I was to get you a little, get my computer out and show you, well, it's out, but if I was to hook it up to my sound stuff, I could show you the noise and the level of noise that there is. The noise is always around us, and it's basically impossible to be somewhere without any noise, unless you build a specific room. Noise is all around us, and different people hear noise differently and respond to noise differently. For some people, certain noises just drive them insane, and some other people are like, I can't even hear that. <laughs> but for me, no, the way I define noise in this context is that noise is the sounds that draw you away from knowing who God is and what he's called you to be. I'll say that again. Noise is the sounds that draw you away from knowing who God is and what he's called you to be. See, noise lacks clarity. And sometimes noise is deafening and obvious. But sometimes it's just the hubbub of life. Sometimes it's just things that get in the way. But we end up listening to noise because it requires no effort. It doesn't require any effort to sit there and listen to the fan going. I can hear it. It's just there. I don't have to intently listen to it. It's there. And we end up listening to the noise around us. So how do we tune into his voice? Or we spend time being still. And our first response is to do that personally. Our first response is for me, for me is to be still myself. And know that he is God. I want to suggest that you, to you a few things, but there's loads of other ways out there and, uh, that you can do. And different people find different ways of being still. But the first thing I want to suggest is that, you find, is that we find time and space away from everyday distractions. Now, for some of us, that may involve going up a hill, which I've said I like doing. doing. 
Some of us going to the end of our garden, some of us just sitting in our lounge. You don't, there's nowhere specific. But find time and space away from everyday distractions. Particularly in the natural, I believe. There are distractions around us that just catch, us, catch our eyes. And we need to just pull ourselves away, take time out to pull ourselves away from those everyday distractions. For we also need to learn what it is to still our souls. And in times when things are going on around us, just to stand there and maybe shut your eyes and just say, be still. Be still, my soul. And when you come before him, I want to encourage you to seek him with no agenda. Come before him with no agenda other than to know him, other than to spend time with him. Because it's worth it. (laughs) Hebrews 11 verse 6 in the English Standard Version says, Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards. It's not like, oh, you came, here's the reward. But it's you go to him and you spend time seeking him and you suddenly see how good he is and you suddenly see what he has for you and you suddenly see his purpose for you and you suddenly see how much he loves you and suddenly you're like, oh, that's, that's the reward. <laughs> it's knowing him. Trust God that he will meet you where you're at. Don't wait for conditions to be perfect. Don't wait for the, the perfect moment in your life. Think, oh, I've got to sort this and this and this and that out and then I'll, I'll meet him. No, trust God that he will meet you where you're at. A few months ago, I was grappling with some questions, some, some of them quite deep theological questions. I'm still grappling with them now, but some, <laughs> I haven't got all the theological answers by far. But I was grappling with some, some questions and I was really struggling with some stuff and I was finding it really heavy. And I was like, oh God, I don't understand what's going on. And one night I went into my son's bedroom and he was asleep in his cot. And God just said to me, sit down and look at your son. And I sat there for 10, 15 minutes, can't remember how long. <laughs> and I sat there and I just looked at my son. And as I did so, I met with God and he revealed to me his father's heart. He revealed to me how much he loves me. He revealed to me how much he cares for me, how much he watches over me, even when I don't know it. He met me where I was at. Don't wait for conditions to be perfect. And spend time in the word. You know, this is the word of God. This is his voice. And I want to encourage you, Ruth, Ruth did this last year, encouraged us last year, and I went out and bought this. And um, I want to encourage you to try and spend time in the physical Word of God and not necessarily in the digital. Now, some people, well, this won't be an issue, but for me, I found, I would say, oh, I've got my Bible on my phone, it's great, I can get my Bible whenever I want. But you know what I can get whenever I want as well? Facebook. You know what I can get whenever I want as well? Text messages emails and I would find myself going right I'm going to spend time with God reading plan go all right I've got to be online because of that and I'd start reading God's good God's good oh what's that text message oh I better reply to that and suddenly I'd find that my attention had been drifting or I'd find I'd kind of go right I'll deal with that in a minute race through right I'm done I've done my Bible reading for today and move on But the great thing about this is it doesn't ever beep. It doesn't ever vibrate. 
And so I can take this into the garden. I can take this up onto the side of a hill and no one can get hold of me. (laughs) Now, I know for some people that's not an issue, but for me, I've found that really helpful. And, you know, if the noise is so loud, I know some people have been or are in really dark places, but if the noise is so loud around you, then you don't have to strive to read loads of things. Just remind yourself of one thing you know about God, and he'll meet you in that moment. Because, you know, the noise can say things to us. The noise says, I'm not good enough. The noise says, I'm not accepted. It says, I'm valued by my achievements alone. It says, there isn't more. It says, the grace has run out. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm unwanted. I'm a failure. But this is what God says in his word in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That's who we are. And that's what his voice says over the noise. Sorry, I got a really dry mouth. Sorry. And you know, the stillness is also a place of unity. First and foremost, it's a place where I meet my father and there's unity there. But as a people, it's the stillness is a place of unity. And we need to spend time learning what it is to be still together. Psalm 133, one of my favorite psalms. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then the end of that psalm, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When we spend time seeking him together, there's unity and there's blessing. And as we seek him together, he joins together people who would never normally be together. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't here this morning, I probably wouldn't hang out with people like you, all of you. And that's not me being offensive, that's not me saying it, but we all come from different backgrounds, we all come from different circumstances. I'd probably hang out with people who look pretty much exactly like me. Who think exactly like me. But that's not what church is. God is joining all nations together. He's joining all peoples together. And so we need to be still before him and spend time together. Because that's when he joins us together. That's when he creates unity. And we need to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable in the waiting. I want to explain what I mean. There are times... When we spend time together and we wait and we stop and we seek him. And I don't know about you, but it starts to get uncomfortable. It starts to, you start thinking, hmm, somebody must have something. Who's got the prophetic word? (laughs) Especially if you're leading a meeting. (laughs) But we need to allow ourselves to get through that. We need to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable in the waiting Because when we press in together, there's miracles in that place. There's purpose in that place. There's deep corporate revelation in that place. And I believe it will happen, and I believe it will happen more in us as we learn what it is to wait and to be still in his presence. I believe it will happen without anything from the front happening. I believe there will be healings in our midst 
just because we waited on the presence of God, just because we spent time being still together. You know, there's noise around the church, both this church as a community, but also the worldwide church. The church needs to do this. The church needs to be this. The church should look like this, and it should respond to circumstances going on in a certain way. I don't know if any of you are on Twitter, or if any of you have seen um, what's happened over the past couple of weeks. But if you look at Twitter, the church is in crisis. That's what Twitter says at the moment, bits of Twitter. Because there's a couple of people who've been in quite high elevated positions in Christian ministry that have suddenly said, I'm not sure I believe anymore. And suddenly, everyone has to voice an opinion about it. And everyone has to write them an open letter. And everyone has to say something. And that's what the noise says. The noise says the church is in crisis. But I don't believe the church is in crisis because last night, 250 kids got saved in Peterborough. (laughs) You know, this is what the word says about the church. It says in Revelation, it says we need to be a bride that has made ourselves ready. And then in Ephesians 5, 25, 20, first, uh, sorry, Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing w- with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, I've seen this verse loads, but the thing that really struck me the thing that I've completely missed for years, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. I don't make myself holy. He makes me holy. And to present her. Jesus presents us. And it's him that does the work. It's him that moves in us. It's him that transforms us. He fights the battles. In that Psalm 46, it says, he fights the battles. And like in the turbulence, I don't ignore what's going on. I'm not immune from what's going on. This isn't ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I'm aware of the turbulence when I'm sat on the plane and I'm doing this and I'm holding my coffee. I'm aware of it. But the pilot's in charge. The pilot knows what's going on. He's getting us through it. He's fighting the battle. We're not called to ignore what's happening around us. We're called to be salt and light in this earth. But we're called to see things from the viewpoint of our God. And the way we do this is by truly knowing him. We have to be careful not to contribute to the noise. And I'm just as guilty as I happily jump on Twitter or Facebook and start saying stuff. We have to be careful not to contribute to the noise. You know, open, we've said it before and we'll say it again, open, honest conversations with the right people in the right context are brilliant. And things are built by doing that. But always out of the framework of, what does Holy Spirit say? Because if we're not careful, what starts as a nice, honest, open conversation can become cynicism. It can become criticism. It can become frustration. And it's the same with situations in the world. We can start talking about Brexit, for example, and we can start voicing frustrations and, and saying, this is what, actually, this is what I believe God says, and all that sort of thing. 
But do you know what the Holy Spirit says? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what he says. Don't fight, but be still and know that I am God. By being still and, and knowing him, we see how great he is. The week after, um, the Sunday after the, I'd been for that run in Scotland, uh, we sang How Great Thou Art. Now, I love that song. I, I, it's a great song. It's been around for years, obviously, and, and it's a brilliant song. And it's one of those songs that I will sing again and again and again. But there's one verse in it. And some of you will love the verse, and some of you won't like the verse, and you know exactly the verse I'm talking about. You put verse 2 up, Amy. This is what I call the Disney verse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the kind of... La, 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 la. But remember what I said. I stopped in the woods. I heard the birds. I heard the wind. I saw the water. And this broke me on that Sunday. I was nearly in tears. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and hear the gentle breeze, feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. We're going to spend some more time together in his presence. I'm going to spend some time being still. I'll let the worship team decide how that looks. But my prayer this morning, and and this doesn't take away from anything that's come this morning already, but my prayer this morning isn't that you'd stand there waiting for an answer to your situation. It's not that you would stand there and think, God, I don't understand this big theological question. But it's in that moment of stillness that he would reveal something of himself to you. That he would reveal how great he is. Can we have the musicians back up? So I just want to encourage you now where you're at if you want to stand if you're able Um, Joe Liversidge put this thing on Facebook this morning and she's not here is she but she uh, put this thing on this morning she had no idea I was preaching on Be Still and then uh, she put a thing on about that verse and it said (laughs) it said that uh, part of the Hebrew is that it's not just be still in terms of being quiet but it's let go and just as I stood there I was reminded of this and actually for some of us the first thing we need to do when we be still is let go of something but let's spend some time before him being still and knowing that he is God